Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. You know this is no place for a child. Wherever I go, he goes. So I've heard. Welcome, everybody, to the After Hours live stream of the Mike Seibert Radio podcast, powered by Poddex. And this is the unofficial, official podcast of Icon Online, which is happening January 30th and 31st. Um, and tonight, this is the way <laughs> we're, uh, we're talking about The Mandalorian. And joining us um, as part of our panel tonight is a Star Wars super fan, the super fan that never left. He is also one of the hosts of the Transmissions podcast. It's Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Uh, thank you for being here. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. It's, a, it's going well. First show of the new year. I'm, uh, I'm super stoked. Um, I think I kind of derailed your com- your show last week, which kind of led to you inviting me on this. Week. Exactly, exactly, and and I'll uh, um, loop back around to that in in just a quick sec. But I got another intro to do real quick, um, and uh, and also joining us, um, holding up that uh, that top corner is the founder and president of Icon Online, uh, Transformers fan artist, and returning to Mike Cybert Radio, it's Char, aka Apollo, aka Robo Apollo. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike, as always. Good to be here. Very cool. I appreciate you jumping on with us as well. And of course, I am your host. I am Mike Seibert, a.k.a. Mike Seibert. (laughs) That was a very long way just to go for that joke there. I I had to do it. Um, So, but uh, welcome to the show, everybody. And like uh, like Jeremy had uh, mentioned a moment ago, this, this episode kind of was... Uh, directly inspired by the chat from last week's after hours live stream where um, I was just kind of talking about Mandalorian in broad strokes. Like, you know, I I was very excited about the return of Boba Fett. And uh, from there, it just 
it, it, it just uh, um, went off the rails in a good way. And that's and quite honestly, that's why I love doing these live streams. Like I had like a whole script of other content I was going to do. I was going to talk about like my top nine Instagram photos and tell you stories about my my wood floors and siding on my house and all this other stuff that. I really don't know if you really want to hear about or not, but, but really I just kind of wanted to take a sec and say, Hey, these are some of the things I'm grateful for. I'm happy. I'm healthy. And, and uh, 2020 was really hard for many, many folks, many folks I directly know, but um, things were, there was a lot. Okay. Also. And so, um, but then I just ended up talking about Mandalorian with everybody in the chat, including you fine folks. So I thought that, um, since I hadn't done anything resembling a, um, Mandalorian, uh, recap or recount or reaction about any of it, I thought we would do it proper. And we would, uh, we would chat about, um, kind of what we thought of the show, have kind of like an open discussion, maybe, uh, chat about the individual episodes and, you know, high points, low points, and really just kind of, uh, get into it. And I also want to mention that, and I'll mention this a couple other times so folks have an opportunity to punch out, but um, I don't know how to have conversations without spoilers. So basically, once we get into the hardcore Mando chat, it's it's just going to be free flowing because, uh, yeah, so uh, uh, Boba Fett returns and uh, and and Luke Skywalker shows up and, and the baby has a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and once... Disney kind of lifts the embargo and like John Favreau goes on Good Morning America um, Monday morning and they talk about how they did the Luke Skywalker stuff. You know, I this is going to be a fun conversation. I I can already tell because we're off the rails. I want to give a a quick shout out to uh, Whirl out there in the chat. Uh, uh, They're watching out on Twitch. Yo, Star Wars and yo, Transformers. So yeah, so this is, this is apparently the show of the episode of Mike Seibert Radio you want to pop in for. Um, But before we get too deep into Mando territory, um, I, I, I thought we would spend a couple minutes and it's talking about Icon Online because now that we are in January, it is it it's this month. It's the reason for the season, and we did have um, a couple announcements uh, to make. Um, first, I, I guess um, uh, the first announcement I want to make is that um, officially, applications for Artist Alley, the cosplay contest, and panel submissions have all officially closed. Um, if you have applied. Check your email, Uh, check your email for notification about your acceptance into the convention. Uh, Check your spam folder. Um, uh, um, Apollo, any uh, any uh, other notes uh, before we move on to uh, because I I know we have a a couple guest announcements and maybe some other um, announcements we want to make. but yeah, I just uh, uh, free for all. Any anything else in particular that um, that we want to talk about with regards to uh, Icon Online, where all are one, happening January thirtieth and thirty first of this year. Yeah. So first of all, we have twenty six days until Icon Online. Ooh, so it's happening. Um, we've got 
we got a lot of panels. We got a ton of panels. So far, the schedule is packed for both days. So mark your calendars for Icon Online. Um, you should be getting an email saying that you are accepted for um, your panels and for Artist Alley. If you have any concerns and you've checked your spam folders on your email accounts or you've checked your email and you haven't got anything, please reach out to us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Please DM us and go, hey, you know, I want to know the status on my application. We're doing our best um, to reply within 24 hours to emails. So if you haven't heard back and you're real, you're concerned, please reach out to us. So um, it's very exciting. Everything's all coming together. Yes, absolutely. Now, so uh, because every show is somebody's first show, um, what uh, what is Icon Online? Well, Icon Online is a um, fan-run convention and fan-organized convention. We are a not-for-profit convention. Usually conventions charge you admission, even online ones. We're not doing that. We're just doing this because we love Transformers. Um, I'm the one who came up with the idea originally because, you know, we all experienced last year and last year was very, very hard. It was harder on some of us more than others, but we all collectively went, have been going through this pandemic together. All of our favorite conventions have been canceled. And I was just like, why not? Like, yeah. you know, why not organize like a small fan event? Well, it's grown beyond being small. This is a huge event now. So um, we have a variety of fan panels. Um, we have fan panels that are going to have official guests that have contributed to the Transformers franchise. And we also have um, official guests that have con contributed to the franchise that we're organizing the team ourselves. So there's a wide variety of stuff. We've got like fanfic panels. We've got how the draw transformers panels. We've got, you know, fan based movies. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that's coming out and actually I'm going to announce a panel. So there's exclusive. So I was given the permission to do this. So um, we have not announced this on social media yet, but we will be soon. We are having a transformers, the movie 35th anniversary panel that's going to have for guests included Flint Dilly, Greg Berger, John Moshita Jr., and Vince DiCola. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I didn't even know we were going to announce that tonight. That's so exciting. I got the okay from the person organizing it, whose um, name is Joe. Um, he has his own Facebook group that's very active for Transformers. It's called Transformers We're All Are One. And um, it's a really active and fun Facebook group. So check yeah, that out group. if you haven't. I love that group. In fact, I, I, I just shared our video to that group. So so if Joe happens to be watching, he's like, hey, that's me. Hi, Joe. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, Joe reached out to us uh, fairly early. Um, and it's a... Uh, it's this year. It, it's the 35th anniversary of uh, Transformers the movie, and we all know how I feel about that that flick, and I hope everybody uh, feels the same way as well. Um, uh, yeah, I 
that's very exciting um because like i mean and and with um not without complications like we know uh vincicola just recently recovered from uh covid19 so uh you know we wish him uh, the the speediest of recoveries and and as far as we know he is good to go and enthusiastic um about joining us uh for that 35th anniversary panel and that's uh that's going to be a lot of fun um i will be watching that with keen interest yeah i'm really excited about this panel but we've got so many amazing panels and um i can't announce them all yet um, right but i am really giddy about it and the whole team is and i really think this event if you're a transformers fan you don't want to miss it I think that's accurate. Now we do have um, we have um, a couple guests that were announced earlier today on social. So I think I'm okay in um, announcing them um, first. And I will uh, I will I will see about sharing my screen here. I I love this restream stuff because like you know it uh it 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 mostly works mostly. <laughs> But there's there's other times where it doesn't work as effectively as I would like. So I'm going to hit my uh, screen share here. And why is that screen all white? There we go. Okay, so our uh, first guest announcement for tonight is... Anna Markova. She is the uh, uh, the lead artist on IDW2, and we are incredibly excited to welcome Anna to uh, to our convention. Um, uh, let me see. I'm looking to see if there is a Google form there. I, I'm sorry. I'm reading and, and like rambling out loud as well. Um, Apollo, would you like to talk about, uh, tell a story about uh, Anna's involvement with, uh, with Icon Online? Yeah. So um, I actually reached out to Anna because um, I'm a huge fan of her work. And what's really cool about Anna is that she started out as a fan artist for Transformers. And she's now become a pro artist for IDW drawing Transformers. And she's drawing the main Transformers comic line, which is super exciting. So it's going to just be really cool, you know, for myself, who's a fan artist and all others that are out there who are fan creators. It's just going to be really cool to hear her perspective of, you know, yeah. doing that transition from becoming a fan artist. You know, she obviously loved it enough to draw it on her own and to become a pro artist and what that is like being a pro artist for Transformers. So um, we are super excited to have her on our, our show is going to be very, very exciting. And we are accepting questions ahead of time for Anna so she can look at them. So if you have any questions about, you know, becoming a pro artist or questions about her artwork or her art process um, or to learn more about her, please submit your questions in the Google form. Um, and the same with all of our guests, we're gathering questions ahead of time so that they can give meaningful answers. Because I know um, when I've given presentations at conventions um, and whatnot, and same with these guests, you'll get a really good question 
just, and then you have to answer it on the spot and you have maybe 30 seconds to answer it. And we really want to give people, um, our guests, meaningful time to think about a thoughtful answer and actually give a meaningful answer to you. So if you've got any questions for Anna, please submit your questions in the form. And folks can submit up to three questions also. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, that's not necessarily a guarantee that we will ask all three of your questions, uh, but I, I would I would recommend using all three uh, because that, uh, you know, the more questions that we have and more questions from you um, out, out there in audience land, um, that kind of makes the, the conversation more full and inclusive, which is really one of the main mission statements of Icon Online. I mean, shoot it's in the name we're all or one um you know so we're, we're trying as best as we can to be as inclusive as possible because like you know you've seen my interview shows where it's like i've already got like a list of stuff that i ask and uh sometimes i don't always um i'm not always the best about making room for uh questions that other folks have as well so we're, we're trying to make sure that things are as inclusive as possible and i know um apollo like you said somebody like Anna who comes from that uh, the fan side and has really made it into the into the big time. Um, it, it's an incredible inspiration, and I'm sure that that folks in that uh, similar position uh, would uh, would have some questions and and um, uh, get some valuable insight uh, from Anna there. And I just I, I think she's great. I, I, I've seen her uh, do some other interviews and I just, I just appreciate her enthusiasm and, and energy. She's uh, she seems like she's a lot of fun to talk to. Definitely. I'm really looking forward to her panel. Yeah. Her stuff has been great. I mean, just watching her progress through the early books. Now she seems like she's yeah. really, really comfortable and it's just been really good. The, the last few issues, especially I, I've enjoyed yeah 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 and and it's 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 a delight when you can see that trajectory too um because yeah i'm with you jeremy it's like you know you you look at the early issues uh compared to uh the more current stuff and yeah i just i mean that that's that that's very um uh in not enriching but it's uh, uh satisfying as a fan to watch somebody's art uh, develop and grow like you know um, a lot of our uh, favorite Transformers artists have had uh, a similar trajectory I mean look at Levio's stuff okay. you know it's like I, I mean I've, I've been a fan of his for 10 years and even then like I look at at like some of the prints that I bought from him in like 2009 compared to like his stuff on say like the Kill Lock and I'm just like I mean it, it, it's it's just next level stuff and so yeah so I mean I I, I love those uh, those artist journeys type of thing so really uh really excited to uh chat with anna about that um let's move on to our uh next uh guest announcement that we can make uh this evening um and this one i'm uh i am also uh, especially excited to share um oh i didn't click it through all the way one second well, I guess that's just how that's going to look. That's fine. That's whatever. That's um, fine. Ah, there we go. Okay, great. It's not my screen sharing. It's my clicking. <laughs> now, if I had all these stacked in tabs and windows um, already, uh, I, I 
I'd probably be a little uh, better at this, but um, I, I enjoyed it. It's been hard not making that suggestion. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, it's you're absolutely right. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know it's there, but I'm like, nah, I'd just rather stumble and fumble through it. It's more endearing. Um, so um, uh, Liz Live. just popped, popped in the uh, uh, chat, said, uh, man, I still haven't read Killock. Stop what you're doing and go get it. The trade is out now. I, I haven't read it either. What? Yeah. You need well, to I have access to the review copies. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 really good. It's really, really good. Uh but I, I will give a bit of a warning if you are expecting his Transformers stuff. It's not that. It it is different. Um, it's uh, it's his you know it's his baby. It's his creator own book. So um, yeah, he, he took it some places that I wasn't anticipating. I was really uh, um, really glad he did it. It's, I mean, it's we can talk about that later. <laughs> but yes, it does have robots, but it has robots, uh, which I which I think is super cool. All right, so we'll uh, um, uh, we'll come back to that. I do have another guest announcement I would like to share right now, and it is the one, the only Stan Bush. He has both the touch and the power. Uh, we are proud to announce Stan Bush as an official guest of Icon Online, and he will be answering your questions. Um, use uh, use the form below. There's a um, I, I'm sharing tweets, by the way. This is uh, from the Icon Online uh, Twitter page, um, and all of the social posts, whether it's on um, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Maybe Instagram, but you can't click through links on Instagram. But anyway, uh, there is a link to the Google Doc with audience questions. And same thing, uh, you can add up to three questions. But I want to tell you a little bit of a story and give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes insight. Um, so the question form is up now. You have from now until January 15th to get your questions in. The reason for that for that tighter deadline is that I will be interviewing Stan Bush on my show live on Sunday, uh, January 17th, around 2 p.m. Pacific time. Um, We were we were going to get together this weekend on the 10th but uh but stan had a uh scheduling conflict so rather than uh you know it it was easier just to reschedule it so um we have an extra week to gather audience questions from um uh from fans of stan bush and of transformers um i will be conducting that interview we will be doing it um live um so yes it is a pre-recorded panel. So when uh, Stan Bush, we're calling, I'm calling the panel Stan Bush colon Dare to Dream. And it's, uh, it's highlighting his new album, uh, Dare to Dream, which is available now at his website, stanbush.com. And it is really good. If you are a fan of his stuff, like the, um, the music he did, the song he did, uh, born to fight for those, uh, Netflix animes that I've not watched. Um, but he's, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good album and it's very much what you would expect a current 
Stan Bush album to sound like. But basically what the the difference between the panel and the interview is, is we're going to do the interview live on Sunday, the 17th. So you could watch that here on the Mike Seibert radio uh, live stream and you can chime in um, in the chat. And but what first priority will be will folks that got their questions in ahead of time. And those are the questions that we'll be sharing exclusively as our pre-recorded panel, if that makes sense. I'm probably over explaining it, but I just love this like behind the scenes type of stuff because it was one of those things that kind of came together very quickly. And in truth, I was inspired by what Jeremy and the transmissions folks did with uh, with their interview with uh, Simon Furman. Uh, that uh, that was originally presented as uh, content for TFCon online. Now I'm kind of doing the the weird reverse of that, where we're doing the interview first and then um, uh, polishing it, editing it. I'm, I'm going to throw in some of his music videos and more or less it won't be like this where it's just oh herky jerky messing around with strings because this is just we're having fun uh, live. The uh, the panel itself. Um, is going to be really polished and really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to, uh, to chat with Stan. He's, uh, he's been a delight to chat with over email and he seems, uh, genuinely enthusiastic about our new convention and, uh, looking forward to answering questions from fans. And yeah, I'm just, uh, again, I, I'm just really looking forward to it because, you know, for as, special as transformers the movie is that is the music that that makes it so memorable and iconic for me like you know folks in various facebook groups talk about oh well you know maybe if they should uh remake transformers the movie with like contemporary animation or with current music and it's like what are you talking about it's like outside of 1986 that movie just does not work. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect as it is. Um, and and a, you make the 2007 movie with Stan Bush and Vince Dicola. <laughs> uh, there, there you go. Exactly. It's 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 exactly the same. Though I I'd throw down for that, <laughs> but that's just me. I'm just I'm I, I'm a fan. But a lot of it is is because of Stan's music. Like I, you know, I mean those those are uh, some of my favorite songs, and I I appreciate that. I mean, like I didn't realize how deep his discography is. I mean, he's produced seventeen studio albums. And so, I mean, like throughout this entire time, he's still been prolific as a musician and he, and more important than that, he is, um, you know, he's, he participates in fandom, you know, he's been to, you know, those early bot cons with Vince DiCola, you know, a lot of us that were part of that, you know, have, have those memories. So it's, uh, uh, you know, so he's been a friend to the brand the entire time and, Anyway, that's uh, that, that's just a really cool opportunity. Um, uh, let's see uh, uh, in the chat. Uh, the closest thing we should get to a remake of Transformers the movie is a recording featuring commentary by the entire TFCon audience, including covers of each tracks that are just everyone mumbling most of the song, except for dare all caps exclamation point. I'll co-sign that legislation. Um, yeah. 
but while we're here talking about Transformers cover music, uh, uh, two things I guess I'll, I'll mention. Uh, one, uh, the Cybertronic Spree have their album, uh, Transformers 1986, which is a full cover album of the soundtrack album. It is amazing. Uh, I think Jeremy's looking for his copy that he may or may not have handy. Um, but um, and. Uh, the other one is from our good friend, Sir Jimmers, uh, through uh, Distortion Productions, put out, um, oh, it's uh, Respect the Prime 1986 Revisited, which is a cover album of the uh, Transformers the Movie soundtrack, but with industrial uh, artists. So it's so it's a lot of like heavy synth. It's a lot of uh, metal. Um, Jeremy, am I describing that halfway accurately? Because some of some of those bands, a, a lot of the the distortion bands are really hard. It's, yeah, it it's not the style that I usually listen to, but these albums are awesome. <laughs> so yeah, and and I noticed you had uh, the constructed cold EP there too. Uh, you you want to talk about that real quick since uh, since you brought it up? Uh, well, yeah, that is um, it's inspired by the IDW comics, like the the first era of IDW Transformer comics, and um, it just uh, Jimmers gave the like the bands could pick something from the comics and write a song about it. And I think my favorite is that there's one called Scrounge's Lament. Scrounge. Mm-hmm is a character actually from the Marvel comics that appeared in one issue and died. And I have made it a point that like I'm getting different artists to do their version of scrounge. Nice. Yeah. And I also have a cybertronic spree one. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. That that's, that's awesome. Um, So yeah, so those are uh, the guest announcements that I have. Um, uh, let me see, Apollo. Am I missing anything? Any other uh, housekeeping uh, stuff with regards to um, either Icon Online in general, or um, or perhaps any any other announcements that that um, uh, that we haven't made already that we were going to? Well, no, we've announced everything that we're going to tonight, but. Cool. Just a reminder, everyone, please follow the social media accounts. We're announcing more things. So just follow and keep your eyes on it because this is going to be a really big event and we've got some fun things planned for everyone. So, uh, so where is Icon Online? Do I got to jump on a plane? Uh, people doing the Alaska Airlines safety dance? Uh, what, uh, how's, how's that going to work? <laughs> well, um, you can find us on our website. It's iacononline.wordpress.com that we're also found on social media. So we are at Icon Online on Twitter, Instagram, um, Tumblr. I almost said Twitch. We are going to be on <laughs> Twitch, but yeah. um, that's going to be for the actual event. Um, but then also Facebook. So we are on all the major social media platforms. Um and as of now, we're planning on streaming on Twitch and YouTube for the actual event. So um, we are still working out all the tech stuff, which is super exciting. We have Suna, who is super amazing. Hi, Suna, if you're watching. So um, our amazing tech wizard. So um, we've been doing a lot of tech tests to make sure yeah. this is going to run smooth for everyone. We have a good event. So please follow us on social media. There are going to be lots of announcements over the next few weeks. 
including some information about our artist alley which i you know having popped into some of these virtual conventions before um this is something that i've never seen before in in the way that uh that we're going to be incorporating discord um it's it's going to be huge so we don't have all the details uh ready to announce for tonight but it's uh uh we we were doing some demos of it uh during our our team meeting on sunday i was like it can do that <laughs> i was i was just blown away so it is it is going to be pretty darn close to the the full uh convention experience because we know that you know uh, you know we, we talk primarily about guests and panels and programming but we also know that you know hanging with artists and getting commissions because stimulus check more like commissions check <laughs> shout out to whirl in the chat there um but yeah no it's uh uh we we know there's more to it and we know that because 2020 was what it was a lot of us us i don't know who us is but uh i i know a lot of transformers fan artists that are sitting on a bunch of inventory you know um uh prints uh, uh buttons uh, you know merch things like that that haven't had the opportunity to have a platform to get those into fans hands so that so that that was one of the other parallel uh, mission statements we had as as well as just trying to hang out with our friends um so yeah, yeah, we're really looking forward to it, and it's uh, how many days did you say, um, Apollo? Like twenty six, something like that. Six days. Um, what we plan on doing though is launching the Discord sooner. Um, Sparks, who's our amazing person in charge of Artist Alley, is in charge of um, getting all those emails sent out to the artists and um, launching the Discord to the public. So um, we're gonna have it available ahead of time. We're still figuring that out and um so that fans can go in and get their commissions started with artists and communicate with artists so that way they can um you know get you know do their commissions ahead of time because that's what a lot of artists do for Mm -hmm. um, events and they also do commissions during the event we're going to be listing artists on discord and also on our website so stay tuned for news on that um I can't give exact dates because, um, you know, our whole team, we have, yeah. we have a really smooth running team. Like the machine is smooth. Like if, if I'm comparing the team to a machine, everyone's just doing an excellent job on their roles and Sparks is in charge of Artist Alley. So you'll be hearing more about that on our social media accounts soon. So save your stimulus money. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of very, very talented artists who are going to be doing commissions and to um sell all the the things so check it out yep so i mean i i'm glad for my buddy alpha magnus who you know his etsy store has been straight fire with them with them donny dollars but uh yeah you did completely forget to register and now stuff is closed no more room sorry maybe next year um but speaking of how um this this all sounds like there's a a lot going on of infrastructure so surely we're charging folks right because we got to cover our costs and whatnot no um this is a free event what? So we're not making money <laughs> like we're not charging <laughs> tickets we're not 
<laughs> I'm reading the comments. Um, yeah, we're, it, this is free. So this is us just giving back to the community and to the world and to yeah. add some positivity to the world. So we're just super excited and we're hoping that this event helps out a lot of artists who have been struggling over the last year with conventions being canceled. So um, I'm really, really hoping that this helps. Absolutely. And, and again, we, we uh, I, I think the first thing you said, Apollo, when we first started talking about this is just like, I just want to see my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, and so hopefully that this, uh, this in some way replaces a bit of that while we, you know, make our way into uh, 2021. So again, that is Icon Online, where all are one coming to your internet at the end of this month, January 30th and 31st. Follow all of the social media platforms, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, uh, the Tumblers. Um, I've uh, recently been unlocked from my account so I can get on Tumblr again and uh, and and uh, check out the website icononline.wordpress.com uh, for all of the portals that you need including like our code of conduct and meeting the team as well as all of our guest announcements uh, uh, to date including the folks we announced tonight uh, Anna Malkova and Stan Bush um, who join our growing roster of featured guests um, including uh, David Marriott, uh, Flint Dilly, and uh, Greg Berger, uh, with uh, with many many more to come in the next coming weeks. So I mean, um, it's it's going to be straight fire. So um, so yeah, that's uh, that is Icon Online. Missed last week's episode? Have trouble remembering that hot take you heard? Find it all in the full archive on SoundCloud.com by searching Mike Seibert Radio. Let's let's talk about the Mandalorian, which is which is why we are here. And I um, I gathered this panel, the three of us, uh, because I, I think we have similar perspectives, but from different enough angles. Uh, like myself, for example, I'm what I would consider myself to be a lapsed fan. I've not been too much of a fan of much of what's been happening during the Disney era. Um, I've watched everything, uh, but I've just, I, 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 I kind of left with the feeling that, you know what, maybe star Wars isn't for me anymore. Um, and I was kind of content with that for um, about a year or so. And I think that was even more, brought home after watching that rise of Skywalker, the, the, uh, the, the last saga movie. And I'm like, cool, this is a great jumping off point. I'm like, 
you know what? Star Wars was a thing that was that was um, integral to my fandom. But you know what? Sometimes it's OK to grow up because I think this franchise is trying to tell me that it's time for me to move on. And then the Mandalorian happened and, um, you know, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll discuss my, my kind of thoughts and feelings as we go, but, um, I'm back. I'm freaking Get over here. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Not unlike Scorpion or uh, Mando with his whip cable, uh, just get over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought then we would, uh, we would take a, a moment and just kind of talk about, where we're at with our uh, thoughts of kind of, you know, Star Wars in general and use that as a jumping off point for our discussion uh, um, about Mandalorian and, and his friends. Um, So uh, Apollo, let's, uh, let's, let's move to you because I think if I, if I'm understanding correctly, you're probably the, the um, most casual fan of, well, actually you and I are probably about just as casual, but um I'm sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. I need to shut up and say, hey, Apollo, uh, talk about your Star Wars. Okay, so um, I'm like a G1-er for Star Wars, kind of. So um, I am a huge fan of the original trilogy, four through six. Um, the Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie because of Boba Fett. Um, I have really liked that character since I was a little kid. I got into Star Wars when they showed it in, they re-released it in theaters before they released the prequel movies. So um, I really loved those movies. I do not like the prequel movies at all. (laughs) Um, I also really am into, or was into like the video games, like Shadows of the Empire and um, Rogue Squadron. And I read all those books that were released years ago, like the Thrawn series, which I was a huge fan of. And, um, you know, now that's not canon, but um, that's my core basis of Star Wars is the old stuff. So... Um, I have only seen one of the new movies. Um, I saw The Force Awakens. That's the first one with um, Ray and whatnot. I know what happens in the other ones. I have not seen them. So it's just, um, I was hoping I would watch them um, over the last week, but I didn't. Um, yeah. And I rewatched The Mandalorian. So, uh, <laughs> so I really, really like The Mandalorian. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I, I think that... I, I mean, because I mean, my my one of my scorching hottest takes is, you know, I, I will take either season or both seasons of Mandalorian over the sequel tr- trilogy any day of the week. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so, Jeremy, as the as, as the so are, are you as much into Star Wars as you are Transformers? I was trying to figure that out this morning. I well, I don't really have any action figures or anything for star wars so i have um i'm into the media i'm into the comics uh into a lot of of the books um i came into star wars like i am an original g1er i remember being in like preschool and getting in trouble because i took it uh, one i took a kid's uh x-wing because i wanted to play with it (laughs) so this was the jedi era (laughs) <laughs> so um but I've, I've always liked it um i was in college when those re-releases came out in theaters <laughs> and um it, it, i was not a huge fan of the prequels although as i've watched clone wars and stuff that 
has helped me. And then also I have a six year old and watching it through his eyes has helped me because you really see uh, star Wars as George Lucas made them is made for kids. Yeah. You know, everyone else can enjoy it, but he, he targeted kids and watching it through a kid's eyes kind of, I don't know. It, it, it changed my perspective. Um, when he was really little, like, you know, still, you know, one less than one, I like, as I would like take him home and be, I would be doing things. I was binging Clone Wars just like I, for some reason I had never seen Clone Wars until sure around 2014. Uh, and I binged them. I loved it. That kind of gave me another appreciation of that era. Maybe not the movies themselves, but the era. Um, I've found a, a deep respect for Dave Filoni and his yeah. perspective on Star Wars. And then the sequels, I'm like, Force Awakens was okay. I actually like most of The Last Jedi. There's a few decisions, particularly around a certain Luke Skywalker that I am not entirely on board with. Yeah. And Rise of Skywalker is just whatever it was just a, a it was a movie <laughs> and i don't know so i mean I, I would watch it again and i i have because i think we have watched every movie except for rise of skywalker now since the new year because my kids just wanting to watch all of them we started with phantom menace and watched everything including solo and rogue one Got it. <laughs> so, um, still can't get him on that uh, machete order no, and I, I'm not going to force it. It he he likes what he likes, and honestly, I hadn't seen Phantom Menace until we made him watch it before we went to Star Wars Celebration. So, and I think it's his favorite. <laughs> but um, the the animated stuff has been a lot of fun, and Rebels is great. And then just yeah. seeing the Mandalorian as kind of the culmination of everything. You're getting a little bit of the prequels, a little bit of the animated stuff, and a little bit of the sequel, like hints of first order and stuff yeah and just done with a care like you can see dave filoni has like all of the the recent knowledge and the you know he sat under the learning tree of george lucas and then you have um john favreau who is just one of us like enjoying the movies obsessed with boba fett stuff like that and it's just that that combination has been so perfect and if if um if john favreau is not but in like a Kev, a Kevin Feige role in Lucasfilm, I am just gonna be so upset because yeah, that's where he needs to be. Agreed. And I, uh, um, without getting too much further ahead, I uh, I, I was recently uh, watching the the Star Wars Gallery, the the making of, and any time that um, uh, the 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 Filoni talks about. You know, the, he he has so much reverence mm -hmm. for everything. Yeah. Things that that you know we as either like hardcore fans or casual fans have dismissed, like oh psh, prequels. Psh. Yeah. But but he speaks about it with 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 the reverence that really the material doesn't even deserve, and it's like. Anytime he finishes the the his thought, you you just feel gassed after listening to him. Like like he just took you to church or something. Just as he right. talks yeah. about storytelling and how everything counts, and it's uh, it's amazing. And I think for me at least, 
that's the magic that 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 the Mandalorian does is that it's it's for everybody. Yeah. It satisfies everybody, um, and and it's in in a way that uh, during the Disney era that I, quite frankly I didn't think was even possible. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Rogue One was probably the closest in that ev- most everyone except for like a couple people I know think it's a good movie. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, it, it just it wasn't tied to the sequels. It was a, a brave movie in that you're killing everybody. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I can't. I can. um, it's true. <laughs> the dead speak. Um, no. Um, so yeah. No. I. But I. I think that you know, with with Star Wars having so many of those recent entry points with regards to the cartoons and with regards to um, you know video games and and things like that, that it's um, it's easy to um, ignore all that stuff, but it. Again, that, that's that's the craftsmanship of the show is that they just pick and choose and take everything and make everything count and everything um, important in, in a way that I wasn't anticipating. But what I think was also incredibly deft, like I, I've seen I, I could probably count on one hand the amount of episodes of Clone Wars I've seen. Um, I watched all of Rebels and and you're right, that that is that is really good. But so while I have enough of a footing in in uh, Star Wars literacy that I can point to something and say, oh, I know who Ahsoka is or I know who Bo-Katan is. I don't I don't know about any of her friends, but I, I know that I, I know that the Darksaber is a thing. Um, but I. I don't necessarily have those connections, but, but the way that it's presented is that you don't need them. So like my wife, for example, you know, she's watched the movies. Like we've gone to the theater and watched the movies. You're not watching these cartoons with me. Um, And, and she gets everything I get out of it. She's just like, this is just a kick-ass show. And just a black lightsaber. What? Yeah. Exactly. And and what I love is that it's uh, the references are there, but if they shoot over your head, it doesn't matter because like it doesn't. And, and I feel like and I, I don't want to necessarily get bogged down in talking about the movies, but I feel like as much as I love Rogue One and I love Rogue One, there, there's a few moments in there where I'm just like, OK, all right, enough. You you don't got to elbow me that hard. I I know that those are folks from other things. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, whereas I don't feel that Mandalorian is exactly uh, like that. Um, it's things in not just for fan service, but it makes sense with the story. Mm-hmm. Exactly, it's fan service done right. Um, at least at least in my opinion. So um, so Apollo being being kind of like the furthest outside of us. Um, what, uh, I, I guess going into Mandalorian, what, what was, what was your impression of, uh, of the show? Well, 
you know, before I saw the Mandalorian, um, cause I waited like until this year to watch it. I did not watch it last year, you know, and all I heard were people obsessing over baby Yoda. And I'm like, ah, you know, cause I'm not a huge fan of Yoda. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, sure. You know? So, um, but I finally decided to watch it. And what I really liked about it was, um, you know, you have the main character, Din, you know, the Mandalorian, and he's this tough guy, you know, he's a bounty hunter. But then once he finds, you know, Grogu, um, you know, he bonds with this little child and wants to protect this child. And it shows um, his humanity and um, makes him relatable, you know, whereas, um, Boba Fett, you know, for, is more of a ruthless type of character. At yes. least my impression of him from the original Star Wars movies. So um, I really became a huge fan of Din right away and just seeing the whole culture around the Mandalorians and the origin of Boba Fett's armor to me as a Fett stand was super awesome. Um, you know, and I do feel like that um, all the characters in the show and everything that was placed in the show had meaning and purpose. Um, I liked the, ver- the cast variety um, in it. Um, I really liked season two a lot. Um, I mean, both seasons were great, but I really think season one was more just about establishing the character and his relationship with uh, Grogu and other characters, whereas season two, you get to learn more about um, the rest of the um, star, the other characters that are involved, you know, and then like we get Boba Fett and, you know, the other Mandalorians that aren't hardcore about wearing their masks, <laughs> which he right. has issue with because he's like I won't take this mask off or any living thing the thing that kind of um, you know being a Transformers fan as well um, the stuff with the robot um, you know when it's you know when he's needs medical care din and he and then the robot is like oh the droid's like well i can um i need you need medical care he's like well no living thing has seen my face and the robot's like well i'm not living so you know they've clearly established that droids are not living beings but then you see like little r2d2 you know skipping around Mm -hmm. and doing his little (laughs) trills and it's like well how is that you know (laughs) you know it's just really interesting that they they draw that line between what's a considered a living being and what's not in the star wars universe they have some level of sentience but exactly what is that yeah yeah it's very loosely defined and i you know and i think that they kind of try to have it both ways but i i will say um with regards to how droids are portrayed i think that the lack of humanity is is played up in two different instances one with ig11 um you know it's you know um i am i am no living thing uh but then later on with the dark troopers and they're like their, their movements are specifically inhuman. Like we haven't seen robots move like that in, in Star Wars before. And I would imagine that that's very deliberate in that, uh, you know, it's like with the, uh, the droids in the original trilogy, it's like, you know, that there's a dude in a suit. You got Anthony Daniels running around. You got Kenny Baker shaking around in, in, in uh, the R2 garbage can there. Whereas 
you know, these uh, uh, the death troopers are, you know, they're 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 intentionally rigid, even though they uh, they had dudes in suits while they were making them. So it was uh, it, it was it was kind of like a um, inter- interesting contrast. And I don't know if they're going to come back to this, but in you see the Mandalorian Din Djarin, he has a, he's got a, a, a thing against droids. He, he has kind of like a bias and a, and a, um, a prejudice against them. So it's, it's kind of interesting how that, um, how that kind of gets uh, played up. Um, w- one thing I wanted to talk about and, Oh, I'm sorry, Jeremy, I skipped you. Uh, what, what was, what was kind of your impression of uh of i guess for lack of a better term kind of like the mandalorian as a whole you're uh you're kind of yeah, well i mean season one i i thought it was great i thought the whole thing was just gonna be all about him the entire time and i thought they they did so much character building in season one with din and just you know all of the supporting characters that in season two they were able to take more risks and open up the universe and I think it was all earned. Um, it was, you know, like you said, with the, the droids, you sh- they, they show you the flashback to when he was rescued by Death Watch. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, droids killed his entire family and everything. And they then, made battle droids scary. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, how, how does that happen? I mean, the goofiest thing in those movies. Yeah. And it's like, there, there's like actual menace there. Well, it, but they didn't use the, the B1. They used the, the scarier. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. But you, you saw him, you know, with IG-11 and its original programming, you know, he he didn't trust it at all. But then as it was reprogrammed and stuff, he did grow to trust it enough to, you know, heal him. And then I, I just think it's nice at the end when you see R2 and he's like, uh, you know, I kind of. I don't know if they showed it, but I'm kind of like, you see R2, you know, hopping around and beeping and you see Grogu kind of um, going to him. You're like, okay, well maybe not all droids are, are so bad. Although I also think R2 knew Grogu from the temple, but that's my own thing. <laughs> in there. Sure. Sure. <laughs> they were at the temple at the same time. Yeah. yeah I'm not debunking you. I'm just, I, I, I got nothing to say on that as all. Um, I, I, I love the whole thing. And my wife being a huge Boba fan too, too. It was just when he came back, I, I told her we're watching this. Like I, I, I watched them. I watched them all early just to avoid spoilers. But yeah, um, when she got home, I'm like, we need to watch this. And she's, uh, she's like, what happens? I'm like, I'm not telling you a thing about this episode. <laughs> And it was just so rewarding seeing her reaction to seeing Boba Fett actually do more than being hit into a star like that. Yes. Uh, Real quick. How many times have we watched that episode? I've, uh, I've watched it three times. Just, Uh, just, just just chapter 14, the, the tragedy (laughs) just, just to watch Boba Fett. Oh, probably three or four times. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've watched all the episodes with Boba Fett at least three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where whereas I've seen the season one episodes once, <laughs> and and the the uh, uh, the other season two episodes once. So, um, you know, and and it kind of it's interesting, kind of going back to the beginning of this show and actually before it even came out because I, I was, um, 
I was concerned slash interested. I thought the the show looked cool from jump. I'm like, cool, we're we're getting into Mandalorians. But I also really kind of thought. Now, keep in mind, I uh, I'm from the perspective of somebody that didn't necessarily care for the sequels. I thought that this was basically Disney trying to do uh, Boba Fett erasure and kind of trying to uh, bring in a replacement character to say, like, well, we know Boba Fett sucks. We can't really that that's 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 kind of that's kind of a dead end. We can't do anything with it. So here's this new guy who is awesome and does all of the things that you all imagined that Boba Fett was when you were a kid. So I I was I, I was I was weirdly like on board and apprehensive at the same time because I thought it was just, you know, just Disney Star Wars trying to trying to do me again. And I'm just like, I don't I don't know, because I mean, like, I mean, obviously, we're all fans uh, of the Fet here. And what what I was delighted in is as season one win is like, oh, this guy's not Boba Fett. He's his own person, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he's allowed to grow and develop and, and in ways that, you know, maybe that you can't do with the Boba Fett character. Um, So it was one of those things where I, for a couple different reasons, kind of stopped wondering when or if, Boba Fett was going to show up. So when he finally does, it was a legitimate surprise. I I was like, no, I I had given up. You know, it's like, you know, there, there's no mention of him in the sequels and, you know, really not a whole lot of seating, but. Well, I don't know if you've read the, the books, uh, like the aftermath trilogy, um, but when they showed up with Cobb Vant, did right. you, at first, did you think that was Boba Fett? Um, like, when you no. saw the armor? But no, like but uh, because it, it was spoiled for me. So um, it's like, um, yeah, because like as someone who's read the the books and he he had like a couple, there were like some interludes and it went through him, you know, getting his armor and stuff. And they changed the town name and stuff from the book to the show. But basically, same role. He became the marshal of this town wearing Boba Fett's armor. And I thought it was so cool that they also paid homage to that and had Cobb Vanth in there and you know he just willingly gave up the armor after you know you know basically it was their deal and he honored the deal and I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool you know kind of putting the armor in place for Boba to take it yeah and now the the thing that I wondered though is like so seeing how that trajectory went why didn't Boba just take it off of Marshall Cobb to begin with save himself a lot of time but maybe he just didn't need to um you know he saw that you know who knows what the Sarlacc did I mean sure he's had a tough life he was maybe just kind of wanting to live by a new code or something i don't know yeah well but, well he's a, he's a 60 year old man pretending to be a 40 year old man so right. yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of miles on that odometer it's really sunny and tattooing yeah and he was with the tuscans and so he was always kind of in the periphery of where his armor was so he probably could have taken it at any time right so, so. I wonder if that's a story that we're going to get because yeah. I, 
I would like to see more Timothy Oliphant. I mean, like, yeah. and, and he shows up as a space marshal. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, just again, the, the, the attention and care to detail that, that they throw in there. It's uh, it, it was just a, a, a really cool, but the, the thing, I, I guess I want to kind of talk a little bit about expectations going into um, the show. Now I know Apollo, you had a, a slightly different experience, which is why I wanted to bring you on because like you just, you, this stuff is like super fresh in your mind because um, uh, um, you waited until season two ended and then just just binge the whole damn thing. Um, but I, I remember uh, the lead up to it and like they, they were showing uh, commercials for for uh, Mandalorian, like during football games. And it was really like the full court press about this show, The Mandalorian, which was going to launch Disney Plus. And I remember being very excited about it. And I remember everybody else being excited about it, but I couldn't quite figure out why. Cause it's like, I mean, like I, I like Boba Fett and there's like this Boba Fett looking dude. Um, but why do casuals care about this? There was like a very palpable excitement surrounding the launch of uh, Mandalorian. Um, and then, I mean, so it's weird to kind of put ourselves in that two years ago uh, headspace because, I mean, it's so different now. But, like, you know, we're all excited for this Boba, uh, this uh, this Mandalorian show where it's, uh, um, you know, it's this Boba Fett looking dude going on bounty hunting adventures. Like, really, all we had seen is stuff from that first episode where he's snaring fools. He pulls that one dude through the door and he's like, you know, freezing people in carbonite and Maybe Carl Weather shows up, um, but it's it's just a um, a lot of that. But then the show launches, and then you get the baby, and then and then it it just explodes, and then it's all the memes, and and then after that, it's like you know you get your baby Yoda memes, then you get the this is the way memes, and it's just it just was just like this runaway freight train that it's so weird that, that now we're spending so much time talking about Boba Fett, but I mean, this show did the work like a year ahead of time, almost distancing itself from Boba Fett, which I, I thought was really, really fascinating. What, uh, what do you guys think on that? Um, uh, Apollo, what, uh, um, so how, how, um, so you just now recently watched the show. Was there a reason why uh, you weren't excited about it or didn't watch it more accurately uh, the first time through? You know, actually, the reason why I didn't watch it when it first came out was The Witcher came out at the mm. time about. And I was really into that. Like, that was a show I watched. I probably watched it like four or five times after it came out. I was really into it. So um, I just really wasn't excited about The Mandalorian because as I said before, mostly because of baby Yoda, because I mm-hmm. don't like Yoda. Like I never have, I've found the character to be annoying and that's just my personal opinion. You know, I know people that love Yoda. I am not one of them. So um, I just really didn't want to see it. And I thought he was a Boba Fett ripoff, like sure. without watching the show. That's what quite honestly I thought. And even watching the first episode, you know, the first scenes where you know he captures that guy and he doesn't really respond back to that guy when he's talking to him he you know he lets the guy the guy like wander his ship and then he freezes him in the carbonite that to me 
like was very Boba Fett-esque. And I was like, okay, this dude is like a Boba Fett type character. Maybe all these people are like that, these Mandalorians. But then, yeah, once you introduce um, Grogu into the show, you see, you know, as I said before, that all changes because you see this caretaking side to Din, you know, like a father with a child, you know, he Mm -hmm. wants this child, you know, and wants to reunite him with the Jedi. And it's just, you know, he gives up his whole career pretty much just to protect this kid. And there's, um, you know, that selflessness really, um, you see that throughout the first season, especially, and, um, you know, and into the second season and it's, um, really refreshing, and that's what I really liked about. But yeah, my first impressions was this is a Boba Fett ripoff. <laughs> so, uh, so what changed your mind then? What what was the turning point for me to actually watch the show, or like what scenes? Uh, when you when you warmed up to uh, Din as a character, and and realized, ah, well, you know, he's he's. Uh, I, I see what they're doing with the Boba Fett stuff, but uh, you know, I'm going to hang with this, you know, just when he, um, you know, he starts to ask about what they're going to do with the kid, you know, cause they made it clear right away that when you do a job for the guild, there are no questions asked. And once your job is done, you're not supposed to talk about your job. You know, what happens in the mm-hmm. guild stays in the guild and it's yeah, done. And so when he starts to inquire about that, that makes me think that um, he is showing some concern. But when, as, but when he goes for the kid, you know, and gets him, to me, that's like, okay, this is different. Because I couldn't see Boba Fett doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. Um, I, I also like that they, um, I mean, just, uh, just all of this, uh, the subtle world building, um, like, I mean, like adding so much to the Mandalorian lore, like, um, like I said, I, I haven't watched a whole lot of clone wars. Um, and so like, there's a whole lot of lore that I've missed out on, but I've, but there's even more spokes to the wheel that have been added uh, specifically for uh, Mandalorian, especially like the, the religious zealousy. And he even says like, you know, uh, weapons and armor are part of my religion. And I, I think that's, I, I think that's an incredibly uh, fascinating dynamic. And we see him in, in those first couple episodes, like, um, you know, augmenting his armor first, like the shoulder pad, and then and then later the the full uh, uh, Beskar suit. Yeah, and that whole scene with like his armor getting upgraded um, with the blacksmith—I don't know her name or Just what her the armor. Is. The yeah. armor, yeah. So um, it's almost like a very religious experience. That's yeah, what it came off as when I saw it. I don't know, Jeremy, if that's what you yeah. thought. Yeah, I mean, it was that. Plus, it was like a video game. <laughs> Here's the. Yeah, but what I I really like about it was you're you're seeing him and you're like, okay, maybe in the you know post Empire times, this is how Mandalorian culture is, just kind of hidden and stuff like this. And then you see season two with Bo Katan and her group, and it's like, oh, he was in a cult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he was the odd one, not her. So See, and, kind of cool. and, and, and I love how they do that too, because again, they do the world building and they do the work to where yeah. you buy off on 
on the Mandalorian's perspective. Oh yeah, he never takes his helmet off. This is the way, this is the way. And then when he meets up with those other folks and they're taking their helmets off, all just running around all willy nilly, he's the weirdo mm-hmm. and yeah. and it's it's really something to uh you know kind of do that to your lead character where you're just yanking the rug right out out underneath them but it's it's fascinating to that that's kind of like one of his first major signposts on this journey that he takes because you don't get to that 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 finale without those steps along the way yeah and it's neat because like casual fans are kind of more along his side. Whereas like yeah. those of us that have watched some of the other things like Clone Wars, we're like, Oh, Hey, that is Bo-Katan. And it's played by the actress that played her in Clone Wars and stuff. Yes. And you're like, she's, you know, in Clone Wars, they're taking off their helmets all the time. What, you know, what's going to happen. And then first thing she does, is she takes it off. And so like fans from, from that side are just like, all right. And then other fans are like, wait, she took off her helmet. And having the same reaction that Din has, and I thought that that was kind of neat. You're you're acknowledging your fan base is coming from different places, and you're kind of bringing them together within the show. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. It's uh, I, I'm just uh, I'm just going through the the kind of like uh, listing of the season one episodes, and um, and again, it's it's just kind of interesting how. I, I think maybe it was around episode four where where you're you're introducing a uh, uh, Cara Dune and it's it, it's at this point that this show is firmly established as a space western like where where it's like we're 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 coming along this town and the poor townsfolk can't take care of themselves and so it's up to um our hero and his new friend to defend the hapless uh, uh townsfolk it's very magnificent seven and i uh um i I actually really like that episode quite a bit. I've uh, um, I, I misspoke earlier. I said I've only seen them once. I actually did watch uh, Chapter Four, uh, Sanctuary twice. Um, I, I, I did like I did like that one uh, uh, quite a bit as well. And uh, directed by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. So I, uh, I thought that great. was great. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that, that I've I've gleaned from watching the um, the making of uh, um, Apollo. Have you watched any of that? Have you messed around with the Star Wars Galaxy stuff? Not yet. It, it's it's good. It's very rewarding. And I, I really as far as like a making of documentary, it's um, it's very well done because it's a lot of roundtable, but it's also like behind the scenes footage and they really kind of get deep into it but it's not i mean because i mean like you know making up stuff is kind of take it or leave it sometimes but i think it's compelling enough in that it 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 segments the different uh processes of it it's like you know we talk about story building we talk about special effects and and you know kind of like how how that sausage gets made but it's it's it's, all the different directors talking with each other about their perspectives and stuff. I think that was really great. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, um, it's an inclusive uh, group of folks that, that I just uh, um, thought was really cool. Um, I I wanted to touch on episode five really quick, uh, the gunslinger, because we, we get introduced to uh, uh, Fennec uh, played by Ming-Na Wen. And um, it was one of those things where I, I think everybody that watched that episode was like, wait, what that's 
that's it. I mean, I know she's done with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but um, so I, I thought it was and, and it was one of those things. By the time that she got around to coming back, I had kind of forgotten about the character. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> so, did you see at the end of that? I mean, did you recognize the um, uh, what do they call it? The, the um, spur sound the spurs. Yeah, yeah. I I did. And I didn't, I, I wasn't quite picking up on it. Like I, I haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but yeah, it's like, and I think sometimes Mando has, uh, has spur sounds and sometimes he doesn't, but, but that, that was definitely a, a hallmark of uh, the Boba Fett character, yeah. um, which I thought was cool. Cause I mean, he was basically, you know, I mean, he was Clint Eastwood. He had like, you know, the poncho and the spurs and, and, and again, that's, you know, I mean, we, we all we all like uh, uh, the Boba Fett. Um, let's see. Um, uh, episode six was uh, uh, the uh, the the. I, I guess I, I the only way I could call it is the Bill Burr episode. <laughs> and yeah. and I uh, I wasn't hot on that one. Um, I I'm glad that that character had the opportunity to come back because when he did, and the way that he did, I'm like oh that's how it justifies this guy being part of the show. Cause it, it, to me, it just felt like a weird, like vanity thing. Like, Oh, Bill Burr's a here, huge star Wars fan. Let's throw him in an episode. Apparently and, he hated star Wars. Really? Yeah. He apparently wow. um, like John Favreau was like, you know, I want, will you want to be in the star Wars show I'm doing? He's like, haven't you seen my stuff? I hate star Wars. And he's like, that's what people it'll get people talking it'll be funny ah, subverts expectations so, yeah but I, I that was probably my least favorite episode of season one too yeah um i mean uh let's see so and the um yeah episode seven the reckoning oh yeah right see it, it's been a while since uh um since i've gone through uh uh the descriptions and yeah that that's the one where we see the return of ig11 and um i i didn't I, I forgot to mention this when we were talking at the at the beginning there in terms of expectations. I remember seeing that first trailer for uh, Mandalorian and you see a IG style robot and I was in as soon as he starts like spinning his head and swinging the guns around. I was like, I don't care what the show is about. That's that's my turning point. I'm like, yeah, the, I'll I'll allow a Boba Fett knockoff to where it's like, no, he's doing the thing, just the 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 pew pews, and I was, I, I was there for it in a big bad way. But um, uh, even for as stiff as his movements were, um, Taika Waititi does bring like a a odd humanity and texture to his vocal delivery, and that's um. So when he goes down, it, it really it it actually was uh, was incredibly effective, um, and yeah. So and, and then of course the 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 season finale, um, but yeah, it's you know going back through through season one, it really is just kind of like all of this world building, but you're fine with it because it's it's they're doing the work and, and it pays off once we um, get into season two um, before um, as we get ready to think about, think about closing out um, uh, and briefly going through uh, season two, any uh, uh, lingering thoughts on season one um, that we haven't covered? Cause I, I know we glossed over a lot of stuff uh, just, uh, just trying to get moving. 
We haven't well, talked about the music at all. Oh yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we we got to go there. You you beat me to it. I was like, yeah. it sets apart, itself apart from everything else. Star Wars it, it's clearly you hear the music, you're like, oh, this is a western. Mm-hmm. And and yet strangely recognizable as right. Star Wars, like it like it's still got like kind of like a, a, a marching theme to yeah. it, where it's like, I mean, I I find myself all the time like uh like uh, Lucky has caught me on this a couple times. She's like. Are you humming that Mandalorian theme again? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there vacuuming my mic. Do 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 It's great music it, to go on a long walk. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you get that beat. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I don't know. It's I, I don't know much about music, but I like I, I guess like my like my favorite part of the theme is where it just kind of like seems to like fade and drop off, and then just kicks in the middle there and it's like na 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 I'm just I, I'm here for it. trumpets and stuff and yes yes for sure and and even then it's it's not just one style of music like even with like the the death trooper themes i mean it's like we're we're calling skrillex and we're we're doing some dubstep in there and i was like and it's one of those things where it almost throws you out of it it's like wait what are the robots making that sound or is like it's and and it, and really in a sense it's a little bit of both because it's like you know he's using the music with the the sound effects to you know kind of create this whole immersive experience and it's just um you know apollo both you and i uh watched this uh um it was like from variety or somebody like that there was like a, a like an eight minute video all about uh the uh the process of making the music and um it was just it was just incredibly fascinating. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that he's playing that on recorder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the same goofy flute we all played in, in a elementary school. He's like, Woo! <laughs> yeah. And he was not off key. So, um, well, and that's how he developed the music, which was really exciting. And then, you know, they got a whole orchestra in on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really like the drum part in it. Cause I'm a huge Tycho drummer fan. Like I love that sound of the drums going beating. And so, um, it's a really awesome, the, th- the main theme of it is really awesome. And the thing with this show, and I think Star Wars just does this in general, but the show especially does it, is the music really um, helps create the narrative and expresses the narrative of the show and the plot that's going on in the scene. So I really appreciate that. And just with all those um, sounds, like with the recorder and the drums, it really does like reverberate through you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, yeah. That's why I really like it. So... Excellent. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the music is such a strong, I mean, to the, to the point where they won an Emmy for it. Yeah. You know, right. so, I mean, I mean, well-deserved and uh, I, I, I didn't realize until I saw uh, that, that documentary on it, that, that Ludwig uh, Gornson was so prolific. Like I didn't realize that he did the score for, uh, uh, for Creed and um, a handful of other things and, and uh, Black Panther as well. And I mean, so, I mean that, and, He's so young looking too. I, I don't know how old he is, but he he looks like a child. <laughs> Thirty six, according to Wikipedia. Well, he's 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 doing that clean living then because yeah. that, he, he is a youthful thirty six. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean, you know, we we talked about um, uh, a lot of this in broad strokes already, but um, getting into season two. 
there there's definitely a a shift in tone um or or not so much a shift in tone but a a shift in storytelling styling it's very much a sequel in that like you say like you you compare like iron man one to iron man two um now granted iron man two isn't great so it's so it's not the best example but um Duh, it was right there in front of me. Empire Strikes Back to Star Wars, you know, where it's like, you know, or Wrath of Khan to slow motion picture, you know, anytime where you have like a, a superior sequel that benefits from the work that the first one did in terms of establishing the world, the character motivations, because if season two of Mandalorian was this was the first season where we're just bringing in all these clone wars people right away i think it would have been really off-putting to a lot of folks um absolutely uh abner uh, says in the in the uh chat there alien to aliens um anyway we're like you know you have that that establishment and then you can just play in the world because the world's already built and you know it's interesting like watching season one you don't realize that that's what it's doing because you know it's entertaining you as it goes i would say though as as a bit of a uh criticism and and your all's mileage might vary but i think um as much as i love season two for the reasons that i do love uh season two it becomes weirdly formulaic in that like it's um well uh i i have to go see somebody to help me on my quest okay i have the information to help you on your quest but first you must help me solve a problem yeah it's like almost all of the season two episodes are like that and it's it's one of those things that I guess I talked about with, with, I guess with regards to a lot of maybe the Boba Fett stuff and maybe some of the fighting and things like that to where it's like, that's so awesome exclamation point. That's so dumb exclamation point. And, and you overlook it because you like it and you're immersed with it. But I've, I found myself through my enthusiasm overlooking some stuff with uh with regards to season two of mandalorian i think it has um a a bad case of backdoor pilot itis like where i didn't feel like in season one it's like oh is is uh is um is is IG 11 going to get his own spinoff show is uh carl weathers going to get his own spinoff show but in season two it's like that person's getting a spinoff. That person's getting a spinoff. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing exactly because I'll watch that Ahsoka show. I mean, I'll watch this Rangers of the, of the new Republic or whatever the heck else it is. Uh, Cause again, I'm back, but I, I wonder though, if that's, if that's just a little too much of Disney, exerting some of that MCU Marvel cinematic universe sensibility to Mandalorian, because now that they've seen how successful it is, I'm going to stop a sec. I'll let you guys discuss. Um, I have thoughts, Jeremy, but do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is a bit of that. Um, they, like you said, it, it was formulaic and there was introducing a lot. Um, I thought the stories were still good throughout season two. Mm-hmm. But it did get to a point where you're like, okay, I see 
Ahsoka's fighting this woman with the spear and the lightsaber can't go through the spear. Ah, Din Djarin's like, I have acquired a spear. This is going to be useful with the lightsaber. <laughs> you know, it, it's very clear, but it was still enjoyable through the whole thing. And we knew yeah. Ahsoka was getting a show. Um, and I think I kind of wish that they had done a big presentation where they announced all their all those shows after the season had ended, because I think that would have been a little bit better rather than doing it. What there's like one or two weeks left. Yeah, but if we can get uh, what's his name? Is it Carson Tiva, the the X-wing pilot that was not Dave Filoni, um, the guy that's in Kim's Convenience. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Whatever the the Asian. Um, X-wing pilot there that if we can get uh, if he's in that show that'll be great because I, I think you know that would be cool and he's the actor himself is a huge yeah. Star Wars fan where, um, where, where it's just chips in space it, it, it's just yeah. the, the the two X-wing pilots getting into trouble every week yeah, I mean I, I doubt they're gonna do do it like that but cops in space I think would be fun yeah be fun. Um, fun. but. I'm I'm looking forward to all these shows, and I think Dave Filoni mentioned like Ahsoka. He's like, you don't know where in her story that episode took place, right. so we still don't know exactly when. Because I mean, if you've seen Rebels, there's something in the last episode where you're not sure exactly when that scene takes place either. You know, it's after Return of the Jedi, but you don't know when. Right. So it's like still playing with bits and pieces, kind of as a jigsaw puzzle, putting them together. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed the formulaic bits. And then there were like the Bilber episodes, redeeming the character in season two. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, season two to me versus season one, season one to me, like the episodes almost seem like standalone. Like you could kind of mm-hmm. jump in anytime and watch it, you know, like, as you said, a Western season two definitely had the hero's journey. That was the whole theme of it. And it felt very much like a video game. As you said, like, you know, Oh, he's going to get the magic spear. Yeah. <laughs> you have acquired spear. You know? and so you know, it really did remind me of that a lot. Um, I was really excited to see Ahsoka because I did see um, some of the cartoon. Um, I think it's is it Clone Wars. Like I watched she it. Was in, she was in Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, yeah. I watched it years ago when it was first on TV, and I really liked her character a mm-hmm. lot. So that was really cool seeing her. But, um, you know, I do think it is Disney definitely capitalizing on the Star Wars franchise, you know, um, going to sell a lot of toys, you know, to collectors. Sure. Um, you know, with all these other shows and stuff, but you know, why not? Why not expand on these other characters? Um, the side characters in Star Wars, for me at least, are way more interesting than the main cast. You know, I got excited when Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of season two, mm-hmm. but I also thought it was kind of weird because I don't know if they used like CGI or hired an actor that looked like Mark Hamill, but I was like. That's kind of weird, too. Um, You know, but um, I really what I liked about like Boba Fett, you know, and just like with the Mandalorian is that these side characters are just really interesting and have Mm -hmm. way more interesting stories to me than the main plot line, you know, which, you know, is repeated in the new Star Wars movies, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's just like, 
okay, I don't need that part of the soap opera of Star Wars. Like, I just, I want to hear more about these side characters because they're way more interesting, you know, with their struggles um, in the universe, you know, which now the Empire is you know, been defeated. It's still there, but it's defeated and the new Republic's in charge. So you're seeing that whole dynamic and um, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like what Star Wars has always done. Like the original uh, Star Wars came out and like all of the, like all of the, the random characters you would see got an action figure mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. backstory and stuff. And we're just seeing that play out, you know, on Disney plus now. It's like, okay, you like this character? Well, here's a, a new series that this character is getting. Yeah, and that's really cool because probably yeah. when you were a kid, you probably came up with your own stories for those mm-hmm. side characters and own head cannons. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I think that's just really exciting because I know I did with Boba Fett. Um, yeah. So it's just, um, it's just really exciting to see these characters actually get their chance to shine and their stories to be told. Yeah, absolutely. And... So, yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, you know, we're, I, so I, I guess we're, we're kind of to the uh, uh, back around to the Boba Fett stuff, because, uh, again, I, I never thought we were going to see that character again. Um, not really. Um, I, I did think it was kind of odd that, you know, uh, there really he hadn't really shown up in a lot of books or comics or I mean, contemporary stuff in the Disney era. And it's like. Now, in retrospect, it's like, oh, I think maybe somebody had something up their sleeve the whole time. But I mean, I've told this story two, three times now at this point. But like, you know, when he shows up in the armor where he like, you know, rocket packs in, I I like I literally reached over and squeezed my wife's hand. I was just like, it's happening. And 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 it's it's so validating and satisfying. And they even accomplish the impossible where they square the circle with uh you know the 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 clone baby origin story with how we know him from the original trilogy and he's kind of re-reconciled into one character where he's that he's that character he's this character that we grew up with um and even like when he's interacting with uh Bo-Katan and 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 her buddy you know it's like you are not Mandalorian he's like I never said I was all right all right all right (laughs) um yeah and i just and and just the the link the the depth of lore that they go to to make that work where it's it's like well my father Django was a foundling this was his armor and therefore it belongs to me and with din Djarin's, you know zealot like code he's like yeah that checks out seems like i'm a foundling yeah. exactly exactly yeah. so now they have like that mando bro connection and yeah. and so yeah i mean it's just i mean they they could they handled it in a way that that again you know we were talking about head cannons and and you know playing with our action figures and stuff it, it reconciled in a way that i couldn't have even possibly dreamed of it's just like they just they they made it all work it's it's it, it's magic and how good was Tamora Morrison? That, he was amazing. 
and he's not even that great as Django. Like, you know, it's like yeah. you, you, you watch him in episode two and it's like, uh, it's fine. But yeah, when he shows up uh, rocking the dad bod, but also like, I mean, and again, I've talked about this before, but I, I like the extra heft on him. It makes him more imposing and intimidating. So like when he's like throwing somebody across the room or cracking a stormtrooper upside the head, it's like you feel that that unstoppable uh, menace to it to where it's like when those stormtroopers run off there's genuine fear there because he is wrecking their day all six of them <laughs> um, but, <laughs> i mean it, it, it just it's nice that you know you know he's been with the tuscan raiders so he's got that gaffy stick yeah like seeing that in action too just completely shattering the armor you're like so cool why, why do stormtroopers even have armor what, what <laughs> I mean, I mean, a blow to the head where you have a helmet on doesn't doesn't even save you. It's I mean, it's paper mache. Now, now, granted, things are hard for for the Empire. So yeah. not uh, not unlike those poor Autobots on the on the shuttle at the beginning of the of the movie there, you know, probably a little low on energy. And I'm sure that, you know, the 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 materials to make stormtrooper armor is probably a little uh, degraded, maybe recycled one too many times. And the Emperor never really he he, he was a more quantity over quality anyway Mm -hmm. correct yeah i mean it was more to just like swarm with a with a with a superior force Mm -hmm. um for sure um but yeah and and i guess i mean i guess one last thing i wanted to mention um oh i had two last things i wanted to mention uh um we were talking about tomorrow morrison um i don't know what he's doing with the voice um, but I, I absolutely love it because it's 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 his own voice, but he's he's doing something with it where it's almost like how uh, uh, the voice actor in Empire Strikes Back sounded. I think where- I think in the gallery episode for season two, he mentioned something like trying to take some bits from the original actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it's, how he says Tatooine, though. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah Tatooine. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really cool, and I, I guess and, and that kind of weirdly leads me to that to like one of the last things I wanted to talk about about the uh, finale. Um, you know, we we've talked so much about uh, diversity and representation and 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 kind of that of a sort when it's not viewed as organic or whatever. I, I, I'm not trying to buy into Chud rhetoric too terribly much, but one of the things that I, I appreciated the most, and you don't necessarily notice it right away, but in the finale, the only time a white man shows up is when it's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like um, when the ship goes through uh, the, the the shuttlecraft, it's ladies' night. There there ain't a dude there because Mando's just hanging around waiting for uh, for the ladies to wreck house and clear the way for him. Yeah. And and yeah, just with um, both on the production staff, but also in the in the cast, it's it's diverse. It's representative, but it's not in a way where I didn't see anybody like waving a flag saying, hey, look at all of our cool diversity. It's just there, you know, and and I I think I think I think that's incredible. And I think that's awesome. 
Yeah, I think it's really exciting when, um, you know, a, sh- a show or a movie, and I've only seen it so far in some shows um, that have pulled it off really well, The Mandalorian being one of them, where they can have diversity and it doesn't, um, it, it feels organic. Like you don't even, you know, notice that it is diverse because then it's there, <laughs> you know, and I actually, I noticed it like, when it was over, I'm like, oh, that's really, really cool. So um, it's really exciting. The only other show I've seen that could pull that off is Shit's Creek. Of sure. I've seen, you know, with pulling off LGBTQ diversity. So um, in relationships, normalizing them. So it's just really it's really exciting to see Star Wars evolve in this direction because, you know, we saw the originals movies is white people you know yeah and mostly guys and it's really and then cool. you have lando and leia yeah <laughs> right yeah, right pretty much which and, i and love lando like he's one of my other favorite characters too absolutely and and while they're they're very important characters um because i mean they're just as iconic as as their their white people counterparts mm-hmm. it's only the couple characters and it was just i and i think it had to be pointed out to me i think i was listening to um uh one of kevin smith's podcasts and he's like hey you know that that's that's all women that that, that took that bridge right. you know i mean and, and the characters had been established as being badasses in their own right yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. and then when you know you get the scene you're like you know you're just seeing these badass is going in there you're just like oh wait they're you know they're all women and mm-hmm. you know they're just taking care of business <laughs> and you know mm-hmm. i thought that was great and you saw the strategy uh you saw like um like i, I loved what ming na was doing like oh. she would like knock out uh, a stormtrooper and then just for good measure shoot them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah i think they were all kind of doing that just to make sure these guys are dead you know they aren't coming back yeah, it's, it's almost like John Wick style. It's like, you know, it's like you shoot him a bunch of times and then double tap in the head just just to make sure. Well, I mean, you didn't want the stormtroopers to be alive when Luke came through, because at yeah. this point, you didn't want Luke to be slicing through people. No. Right. No. So. And, and that's why the dark troopers are all robots. Is, right. so, you know, you can have him like squeeze one to death and like chop him in half, just like Vader did with, in uh, in uh, in that other movie. So. Right. Um, in a really cool callback, call forward type of thing. It's like I, uh, I, I loves me a good hallway scene. Well, so then you need to watch Clone Wars because in season seven you get another really good hallway scene. Ah, very good. I'm not gonna a... tell you who or what, but yeah. All right, all right, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, so as a, as we get ready to um, close out, where do we go from here? So we know we have the book of Boba Fett. To where presumably it's going to be the adventures of uh, uh, Boba and Fennec, who uh, again, and it's so funny, and, and so so Jeremy, I want to well, toss you under the bus just a little bit pleasantly, but like um, once once you knew what the name of the juice that that, that uh, Ming Na was was uh, uh, drinking there, I'm like, oh, I need to get this dude on the show as our as our resident expert because I'm like, I don't know what they call that blue juice. I couldn't. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's like so, and and it, it's so ill defined what's going on with her. So apparently, she just has like a robot tummy now, and she has to drink blue juice to keep her robot tummy going. I, I don't know what's going on. The blue juice has been throughout the entire series. Um, I know. You know, Kara was drinking it. 
That's true. That's true. I'm just being dumb. Yeah. And, I just, I, and I just want an excuse to say robot tummy. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's all like, look at my robot tummy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Give me a robot tummy. We don't know what her, like, what, what is her deal with Bova? Like, yeah. you know, he obviously saved her, but is this like a life depth thing, like Han and Chewie or, you know, what? Yeah. Yeah. You having fun. <laughs> right. It, it does seem to be. Uh, rife with uh, with thick possibilities. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm sure there are have been written already. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course. Uh, but yeah, I guess I, I guess the, the last thing I wanted to ask is, you know, so um, what do we think season three of Mandalorian is going to be? Because we we know that that baby Grogu has has gone off with Luke, presumably to do some training, possibly being saved by R two D two later, um, or maybe uh, um, old Kylo says, "Hey uh, Grogu, I like you. Don't go to school today," <laughs> or something like that. Uh, who knows? Who knows how that's going to go? But um, that's still fifteen uh, years down the timeline. Yeah, quite so. That, so I so there's Ben Solo is like four at this time. Got it. See, I can't keep track of all that. And I, it's interesting. Because, a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Uh, because, like, I mean, it was even weird. Like, I, I was having some conversations with family members, like, last Christmas to where they it, – it's not – explicit to non-fans what the timeline is at first. I mean, it becomes more defined as, as it goes, but like I, I had an aunt that thought because it was a baby Yoda that, that this was somehow like in the past or something that I'm like, no, 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 no. Let, let me, let me at least help you with, with, with this part of it. But um, so, so I guess for me, like I, I talked about this a, a little bit last week, but I, I think for season three of Mandalorian, there's going to be some kind of chime jump, possibly a sizable chime jump. I'm thinking like five years or more. And I, I think I've thought about this now. I think maybe I'm starting to write my own uh, fic as, as, as I go, but I, I think that, um, after this, Din kind of loses his way and, and throws himself back into his work. And we see him as like a, a cold, hard man, the, kind of the same guy that we saw in season one, episode one. But I was talking to uh, talking to my wife a little bit before I left for, for work today. And she brought up an interesting aspect of potentially him searching for either a um, a new apprentice, a new buddy, um, some kind of replacement for this loss. I think he's going to have un, unresolved remorse about the the loss of uh, baby Grogu. And maybe he'll make good choices and maybe he'll make bad choices. And um, now I know, uh, Jeremy, you're a huge DC Comics guy. This This sounds very Batman to me. Where it's basically he's no, I mean, stick with me for a second. Another Robin, exactly. Yes, yes, and he might find himself a Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and before finding himself a Tim Drake at the end. So I don't know. That, that's I. I kind of that. That's I guess between my wife and I. That's our kind of uh, uh, fantasy draft uh, uh, fan fiction of what we think season three of uh, Mandalorian is going to be. Um, uh, so Apollo, 
you've been known to dabble in uh in in the fan fictions um and have a have a vivid imagination for this kind of stuff um what what do you think season three of mando is going to be um well i i actually don't think there's going to be a time jump i really don't um what this is my prediction we'll see if it's mm-hmm. right is um i really do think he's going to have lost his way like if anything like it's either he's gonna pour himself into his work or he's gonna like become like an alcoholic or something i don't know if disney's gonna go that route um, <laughs> it is disney still but you know he ended up with the dark saber and um right. And that's the sword that, you know, if you have that, you are the ruler of the Mandalorians. So mm-hmm. he's going to be forced to become the leader and reestablish his culture. You know, that's um, kind of what I think is going to happen is that he's going to become this reluctant leader and um, he's going to be the leader of the Mandalorians and their culture. And then presumably when Bo-Katan comes calling, he might not be so eager to just hand over the sword as he was on the bridge. He's like, take it. I won't tell anybody. It doesn't matter. Well, um, you know, I think she's going to insist on fighting him to the death is what it's going to be. Um, Cause she's, well, she wants that sword. It doesn't have to be to the death. Cause he didn't kill Moff Gideon. Oh yeah, that's true. So, so um, you know, um, so there, I know they're going to end up reconnecting again at some point. Cause she wants that sword. Cause she wants to be the ruler. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, you know, now that Grogu is not in it anymore because i feel like that was a big selling point for the mandalorian was that relationship between din and grogu because i mean he looks like a lost puppy at the end din you know when he takes his helmet off and it's just like oh like i want to give you a hug you know so um that's at least what i think so i haven't written any fix but that's (laughs) i'm getting um i'm actually kind of um more curious with the whole um boba fett story is like you know is he gonna take over as like a crime syndicate lord or something you know because at the end he's sitting on the throne you know that yeah man so um you know is is that whole like underground thing on tattooing gonna be like is he gonna rebuild up you know job of the huts gang you know for himself yeah, and, and I guess one last thing on the on Bo-Katan because like I I, I know uh, Jeremy's been very patient with us, so he's like tag me in, tag me in. Oh, but, I, I, but but I I I love that reversal with with Bo-Katan because like earlier on she's given him so much shit about like oh you're a zealot you're a cultist and then at the end she's the one that that that's the weirdo and is so fixated on these rules that you know her her pride and honor won't allow her to take the thing that she wants the most right it's like moff gideon says it's not the sword that has the power it's the story story exactly and it's so funny too because like the thing that i that i also really like about uh the character of Din Djarin and kind of um uh the Mandalorian in general is that while it does present the lore as deep as it is it also kind of doesn't care about it 
like like in a way to where like um moff gideon is telling the story of the dark saber and he and and Din's just like i don't care i just want the kid and i almost think um that that's almost an analogy for how casuals kind of look at the mandalorian it's like i don't care about the lore i i i like i like the silver bucket guy um and and i like the baby um all this other stuff is super rad too but it's like this is why i'm here um so yeah i just and and there's so many times where din kind of has that that response to deep lore and i i i, I think that's kind of cool um so with that um um so jeremy uh your predictions and or uh thought process with regards to where uh where we go from here well i think uh, i'm i can go either way with a time jump i i don't know if there will be or not i think the the crux of season three is going to be um reclaiming mandalore and the bokatan uh Dinjarin dynamic is going to kind of play into that. But I, I do like that he has as much of the backstory about everything as the casual audience does, like you said. It's you know, she'd never told him anything about the Darksaber other than it was a weapon that she wanted and that would let her be the ruler. She didn't give him any of the rules, like you have to defeat the holder right. and drum it. Right. So he just he was trying to defend himself and save the kid and through the process he disarmed Moff Gideon and got the sword and he doesn't care but I, I think it, it's going to be I, I think he's going to end up being the ultimate ruler of Mandalore at the time and it's going to be part of part of the story is going to be Bo-Katan having to come to grips with that like something she's worked for so long for but through the season like him proving his worthiness and stuff while also being this person that doesn't have the background on all the culture and being that kind of clean slate. Maybe that's what Mandalore needs because it's, you know, been ruled one way for so long. Right. Until the empire destroyed it. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I just think that's going to be the crux. And I do think they aren't going to be able to stay away from baby Yoda for uh, very long. Um, I think, that's where time skip could come in where mm-hmm. get them, they're, they're all in serious trouble. And then all of a sudden baby Yoda comes in, save the day with his new Jedi powers and lightsaber. And everything. I wonder, <laughs> and, and, and um, Apollo being somebody that that's not super into Yoda would, how would that potentially uh, sour you on, on, the the grogu character if he starts looking like yoda say circa attack of the clones or something i'm I'm imagining something where he's doing like the bruce lee stuff and that doesn't sound good at all yeah oh i remember that fight scene from the prequel movies with yoda that was actually really cool um you know i think that'll be fine like i um you know, and I can see that happening that you know they show Luke and um Grogu show up to save the day at some point. Maybe it's just like a cameo appearance. Um, so, yeah. um, yeah, but I do think he is going to have to show up again because he's an established character. It'd be kind of weird for them to just like send him off and he never comes back. 
Having having a not so baby Yoda is just more merchandise they can sell. Yes, that's true. <laughs> not not unlike adolescent Groot or something right. like that, where it's like you can you can you can because I mean they 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 were late with the 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 Mando merchandise. There was no the child of that was like, by design. Uh, tell me more, because like they they kept baby Yoda a secret uh, from even the. Like people like Hasbro. Oh, right. You know, yeah. They, they kept it completely a secret. And that, like, they were like it, having to sell Disney on not having any product for that first Christmas season. They're like, it's going to pay off. And obviously it did. That's so wild. Could you imagine? I mean, and like, then, yeah, just also keeping the secret of Luke Skywalker for over a year. I mean, the, they're showing that trust us, this is the way. <laughs> perfectly well said all right folks well this has been an absolute blast as i threatened earlier we could talk for several more hours but our time does indeed uh run out uh some of us got to work in the morning and and uh i I appreciate everybody taking the time to jump on uh the chat tonight uh jeremy before you leave us could you let us know um about that about that little podcast that you're a part of where we can find you on the internet and how we can connect with you on uh, the social medias. Yeah. Uh, Transmissionspodcast.com is where you can find all of our stuff. Uh, we do show on Wednesdays about all the toys of Transformers and then a show on Fridays about all the comics and other media. Um, we had a spoiler-free review of the new War for Cybertron Earthrise series that dropped um, just before New Year's, I think. And then... Yeah. We're going to have spoiler-filled ones in the coming weeks. So this week, we actually went back to comics and did uh, Transformers Galaxies number 12. And, oh, that's um, the last issue, right? Yeah, it's the last issue of Galaxies. So um, that was right, fun. Yeah. And then um, we just have more fun stuff coming up. And occasionally, we'll do non-Transformers stuff as an extra separate podcast. And I'll try to get Daryl to talk about Star Wars. And he doesn't like it. we guys should start talking about college football then yeah and i can do that too i got you know my team shirt here (laughs) very cool well well again thank you so much for for joining us it's always a blast chilling with you i remember like two years ago when we were talking about celebration i was like yeah man we should uh we should uh do a show about mandalorian and and uh and two years later here we are (laughs) yeah i mean uh, i can talk about star wars all day it's great. And this has been a lot of fun. This has been. It has been. It's been good stuff. I, uh, uh, yeah, no, this is great. And, and Apollo, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. And I did that wrong. I hit the wrong button. Um, I, I just wanted that to be on the side, kind of real uh, subtle, like, but oh, good pointing. See, y'all's, y'all's pointing game is strong. Um uh, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, but before we part ways, uh, could you let us know where we can uh, connect with Icon Online, where all are one again coming January thirtieth and thirty first, um, out on the internet? How we can connect with you? All right. So, um, Icon Online, you can find that on um, our website at iacononline.wordpress.com. That's the website. 
Our social media handles is at Iacon Online on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. And you can find me at Robo Apollo on Twitter and Instagram. And I am a Transformers fan artist, so come check out my stuff. Awesome. Very, very cool. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, I mean, this was, uh, uh, this was a huge blast. Uh, we'll have to, we gotta do stuff like this again. It is, it, it, it's just, uh, it's just way too fun. Um, but that, uh, that will wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio, and all of my past shows, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever the heck else you listen to your podcasts. And check out the full show archive out on SoundCloud. Five years and over 300 episodes worth of shows out there. And come on back for the After Hours live stream Monday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific, uh, streaming on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook live like share rate and review the show let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future mike cybert radio is powered by poddex and special thanks to my dude dave sanders for all of our production elements uh for mike cybert radio my name is mike and until next year this year until next time wear a mask wash your hands and make good choices bye everyone bye You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out bydoormusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.